murder suspect. Disappearance. Any, could be any film. Psychopath. Uh, Emotional manipulation. Come on! <laughs> like, it could be any Batman. So I sat my flatmate down yesterday mm -hmm. and watched Succession from the beginning. Oh, I'm so jealous. Yeah, so I watched the first episode. I've seen all three seasons, as you know. Yeah. That's a few. Mm -hmm. And I went back and watched the first one, which is always strange when you watch a show that has established it established itself and you it's know the very, characters better than they you know, do the characters and it's uh, very famous as well in a very big successful show mm. and also a show like succession really hit its stride quite early on but still in that first episode um it's always interesting to see how much has changed and i always notice this with shows particularly american shows where the first episode there are just things in it that aren't there later on right uh, it's not that like oh things have changed now it's that you know when when Shows are written, typically, the, you write a pilot, right? And it's yeah. usually written by only one or two people. And then when it's picked up and expanded, that's it's a when... pitch, the, really, isn't it? Yeah, it's a pitch, right? And that when it's picked up and expanded, that's when a wider team of writers come on. Mm -hmm. And often what you'll notice in shows is that the by, in episode two, there's like a change. And you notice the sort of introduction of different things and things that slightly weren't there in season in, in the first episode so with succession in the first episode i was just interested to spot loads of things i was like that's not there anymore the first thing i noticed is that roman has a has a girlfriend in it a partner in the first episode who's just who's just not named she's just there and and there's a child running around and you're like is that roman's child does roman have a child i don't think he does but in this episode it's sort of like there's a woman there with a child and he's like it's her it's his girlfriend so yeah. it's really strange. They just dis there's no they, they just write it out. They won't remember. Yeah, 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 yeah. Moving on. <laughs> yeah. And Marsha, you know, Marsha, the character, the Logan's wife. Yes. She is called Marcia in the first episode. Okay. Some characters call her Marcia, and some characters call her Marcy. And it's really confusing having known that character now. That at one point Ken Kendall goes like, Marcy on the board, that's absolutely fine. And you're like, whoa. That's one of those like Mandela effect things where you see the yes. logo and some like you know the FedEx arrow and you're like now I can't not see the FedEx that's, arrow. Yes, that's not the Mandela effect though. What is it? Well, the Mandela effect, which was first introduced to me in a in a film called Skate Kitchen, really good film. Yeah. And there's a bit in there talking about it. I was like, I've never heard about this. I'll like the Mandela effect is a phenomenon, like a cultural phenomenon, where people misremember things from the past as having happened when they didn't. So like. That never, not even, never existed. So the, it's called the Mandela effect because there's this. Apparently, loads of people were of the of the opinion and believed categorically that Nelson Mandela died in prison in the 1980s. Oh right. Or, for example, uh, people misremember that the uh, the logo for Fruit of the Loom uh, represented a cornucopia when actually it didn't. Um, it, it, they're very specific examples that if you aren't, if you don't believe in it, then you just don't get it because you're like, well, Nelson Mandela didn't die in the 1980s and like yeah. i've never seen that logo so i don't know but getting back to so what you're talking about though is like logos no you're talking about paradigm shift which is where you've seen something you can't unsee it yeah it's fundamentally changed the way you see something but the mandela effect is different anyway getting back to I'm, succession I'm talking about like a sporkle game i once played where it was like 
the Paramount Pictures logo and it was like the mountain that it is. And then there's like one with like a shining star on top and you're like, oh, like, is that the logo? And it's one of those ones where you, now you can't even remember what it was. And this is a logo that you've seen a thousand times in your life. Yeah. Was, that, that's what I was referring to. Right. But yours sounds a lot more historically I think accurate. Of, <laughs> I think we're out of our depth. <laughs> yeah. Um, but with Succession, so there's all that stuff in it. Connor is slightly different in this. They, they mm. have him as slightly more passive and docile. He's there in a nice jumper and he's like, hey, I don't want any part of this. Whereas the Connor that we know in the later seasons is much more of a buffoon, quite arrogant, thinks he can be president. Um, I don't know. Maybe maybe this was the plan all along, but I just find it interesting when you watch shows that uh, the first episode is like, here's a presentation of ideas and shows get picked up and sometimes, you know, 90%, 95% of it goes through, but there's always that 5% that isn't carried over. Mm. And you see an echo of like a different version of what the show could have been. I remember the opening couple, like I want to say two episodes of Succession season one being a little bit tame and ever so slightly mm. slow. And yes. it's a lot of like waiting around in the hospital. That and it's that yeah, thing that we talked yeah. about before where you start your story in the dark, like yes. the literal dark and it's yeah. very disorienting. You're not presenting these characters in the light and then it takes till like, See, that's right, episode three for you to really understand like who every what everyone wants and what the political yeah. position is. Because I rewatched season one with my girlfriend when season two was going to come out, right. and I was like, "Let come on, let no, no, no." When season three was going to come mm. out, I was like, "I'd happily rewatch this." But I know yeah. like, this is a bit slow. But I loved one of the main things that stood out to me was how different what what a different place Kendall is in at the beginning of that whole series yeah. than he is, especially at the end of uh, the whole of season two. Mm. And just like the, the the character he is when he goes to that bathroom and he realizes he's not gonna get what he wants mm. and he screams into that pillow yeah. and smashes up the bathroom. And you're yeah. just like what a different character like completely different. Mm. It's almost like a Walter White style transformation. Yeah. When you see him in season two and like the mm. version of himself he becomes and like uh, there's such a great moment in season two when Shiv and Roman are like, like, what did he get to you? Like, what the fuck? Like, like, what did Dad say? And Roman <laughs> is just like a shell of himself, and he just can't Kendall, even. Yeah, commu- Kendall, oh, sorry, yeah, Kendall, yeah, yeah. yeah, is completely well, gone. And then Roman. again, like the end of season two is obviously so cathartic for the same reasons. Yeah, but, yeah. I mean, that's yeah. I um, I remember episode two of season one when they're in the hospital, being like, is this like a bottle episode? I remember getting quite frustrated. I was like, yeah. I want to get out into the city. I was getting a bit tired of. Um, sort of the, the hijinks between the siblings. Um, and similarly with Logan, right? The first shot of the whole series is him confused in the dark, peeing on the carpet. Yeah. Which right. is, which just on that point. Yeah. I mean, I've been watching Succession. I've watched it all. There was a point in halfway through season three where I was like, he, he was meant to be ill. The whole, this whole series began with him being like ill. He's turning 80. Yeah. And he's going to be like on his last legs and he's ill. And that illness is like, and he has this brain hemorrhage at the first, from the first episode. And then it's kind of, he gets back from the hospital. And, he, and then, like, he's basically back as he was before. And, and you know, there's that scene in the party where he's, like, he's quick to lose his temper. Like, yeah. you know, sort of a confused old person would be. Yeah, I, I think that's completely intentional. He, he, he gets sharper. Everyone expected him to deteriorate. And he has become, he became oh, sharper. Right? And more, like, ready for war. Like, if you look at the end of season three and the move that he played on all of them, it was, yes. like, the ultimate broad bird's eye strategic move to completely fuck his children. It's like he he is 
we were told he's always steps ahead of everyone else, but like that proved it. And even that moment where I was like, at the end of season three, we were like, let's go. Like, yeah, we're gonna fucking, we're gonna get dad for everything, right? And they're all like in the car calling yeah, people, yeah, yeah. like, yeah, fuck that guy. We're gonna, yeah, we're gonna, we're gonna, gonna stop like, him. Um, we're gonna, he's like, gonna we, we can do this, right? Like, we, yeah, can, we, can, we can get him. Totally fuck dad, um, all right. And then it's obviously the Tom thing, but then they go and they're just completely ambushed. Yeah. And it's, it's like, it's like, church, sorry, that whole scene was like Churchill's war room, all the people in the laptops yeah. running around. I think, sorry. I think what I meant is that, like, I thought it would be like a Walter White like narrative where like he is dying but like he's also like uh it, it, like that's all he can do be doing all this stuff but he's simultaneously dying at the same time i wonder if the end will be him dying uh, it's yeah, very pretty sure. likely sure. that he will leave some sort of trail in his in his wake yeah. that will that will happen it doesn't it, as long as he's alive or someone gonna kills him problem yeah or like, anything could happen. Kendall, what would Kendall do? We're gonna fucking take him out. <laughs> <laughs> I got a fucking hit, man. But like, have fun, right? What's he like? What's he like at his birthday party? In the, he's like, he's like, you know, we're here to fucking work hard. But like, you know, have fun, right? <laughs> <laughs> take your jacket off. Take take your fucking jacket off. I love it. my favorite one is when he's uh, like, uh, he's he's trying to pitch something to his up for someone, and they're like, oh, so it's kind of like this, and he's like, yeah, that's the straight leg Gino way of putting it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Um, yeah, fucking Roman. Uh, anyway, so that was that, that was uh, my oh, observation. You're going to watch the whole, way, the whole way through. I will dip in. I mean, the great thing about Succession is that it's so dense with mm. dialogue and so thick. And it's just, you miss so much and there's so much to be enjoyed. But what I love is, I'm sure it's my flatmate who loves the thick of it. Mm. Um, and I've been saying to him for ages, you, if you like the thick of it, which Jesse Armstrong wrote on, mm. you should really watch Succession because it's got that kind of, serious side of it yeah. it's got the aggression it's got the swearing but it's also very funny and he was like laughing every single minute of yeah. episode one and i was like if you're like this now hey and it's also a great show when you, when you watch it with a friend or partner like at the end of the episodes when mm. you know classic succession tight yeah. shot on someone's face and the piano theme just rolls the credits you just want to be like you see oh isn't it amazing because that and this yeah, you just yeah. want to go over every single interaction and dissect mm. it and it's 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 so mm. great for that yeah. Dum, 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 dum. No, it's, it's often, they often end on a reduced version of their theme. They yes, hold it back sparse, at the yeah. end and it, it just lets you go and then it, it just cuts you off. You're like, oh, I need more. It's a great show, man. Where'd you, oh, we're not going to get them next year, probably more succession. Probably next year, I think. Um, I wanted to get back to, last week we said, contact us with questions and hot takes and whatever and just thought I'd read out some correspondence we got we send um, our email which is hello at popkitchenpodcast.com if you want to be a part of the show you can also email that email address so last week we were talking about rom-coms do you remember when I said about um, you know I saw I want you back and I couldn't remember the name of it yep um, Dan in Sirencester got mm-hmm. in contact about uh, hey Dan a, f- a film that he says is one of his guilty pleasures okay Okay, I'm, reading, I'm going to read the message as it was. Just okay. listen to your latest episode on the subject of rom-coms. There's one that is my guilty pleasure that I think doesn't fall into the usual stereotypical rom-com category. And, they, and it's a film called Like Crazy. Have you heard of this okay. one? No. Oh, yeah, I remember. It came out about 10 years ago. It's got Anton Yelchin and Felicity Jones and a very early career, Jennifer Lawrence. And it's shot quite low budget, Sounds very low budget yeah. indie. Okay. Um, and it's about a couple kind of in a long distance relationship. I think I haven't seen it. That's what I remember from, from the trailer. Um... As Dan says here, it's a small budget independent film made about 10 years ago, but I found it it was very honest and even the ending, it didn't give it the traditional uh, rom-com tropes. But the reason I mention it was it was made without a script. So most of the interactions and dialogue you see is improvised between the actors uh, on screen, which is why I think there's a more genuine feel to it, but something I thought 
we might both enjoy. That does sound good. That does sound good. I mean, I always think it's a massive risk if you do improvised stuff on uh, on film. I mean, yeah, like Linklater, a lot of people say about his work, oh, it looks very improvised. I like, know it's actually incredibly rehearsed. So the, rehearsed to the point that it feels natural. Um, Larry so David says the same. People often say his stuff is more uh, more improvised than it actually is. Because it looks improvised, but it's not. I bet it's rehearsed it's, to, to it get the... It's just like naturalistic acting. But yeah. Yeah. It's... So um, I haven't seen that, but I, I want to just... Talking about those reminded me of like, have you seen Blue Valentine? Um, no, I feel no, like the, I this era, like 2011, 2012, it was all about the era of the sad, sad romance film, the sad romantic. Yeah, film. it was. I wonder why. Is I don't know. We were happier. I don't know, James. Then... <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but do you have Blue, Blue, Blue Valentine? Yeah, I know of the, the film, but you haven't seen it. Oh, it's the no. Blue, Ryan Gosling and the Michelle Williams, and it's like yeah. we're in love and now we weren't. It's really sad. <laughs> Derek Jean France, I think, <laughs> film. Um, yeah. So, like crazy, we'll add it to the list. Thanks, Dan, for getting in contact. Thank you so much, Dan. Also, I say romance and romantic often interchangeably, but actually, I'm drawing on my English degree here when they say that actually they're not the same thing. When people say romance um, as a genre, they are misremembered. That's actually the name of, like, in like literature, that's like 11th century knights, you know, um, damsel in distress, like chivalry. That's a romance tale. Right. Whereas romantic is more like 18th century poets, Byron, Shelley, you know, that, that kind of like overflowing a feeling yeah. into, into poetry. Different different words that are often interchangeable, so, but different, actually different genres. Oh, interesting. But we call those films romance all yeah, the time. Yeah, because being romantic is having a feeling of romance, but to talk about, uh, oh, that, that, that's, that's a romance film is technically... Uh, I think um, actually, else. I think you Listen yeah. to me, it's terrible. I'm just <laughs> no, saying, that was it, no, I, look, I've been carrying that fact around in my head for ages and I don't know, I don't have anyone say it. You just I can't to, say it here. When start the hell can a podcast I say it? to get it out there. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you have any other hot takes or recommendations that we should be checking out, um, let us know. Um, we can't wait to hear from you. Please do. Just a quick one. This episode of Pop Kitchen is brought to you by Noggin HQ. Noggin HQ is a hot new credit referencing agency for Gen Z and millennials. They are revolutionizing the way that credit scoring is done by making it cheaper, simpler, and easier. If you're interested, you're under 30, and you want to start building a better credit score, follow at Noggin HQ now on all social media platforms. Back to the show. Speaking of rom-coms, I went to go see Worst Person in the World yesterday in cinema, and I'm I liked it so much. I think it's my favorite film that I've seen this year so far. Whoa! It's hold the phone. May. Okay. Really, really loved it. Okay, back up, back up, back up. Because I have just seen this film talked about. I don't know anything about it. Mm. All I've had is people text me going, "You got to see Worst Person in the World." Tell me about it. Why should I see it? What's going on? It's really good. It's called Worst Person in the World, and it's sort of a rom-com slash coming-of-age tale for people turning 30. <laughs> and it stars this woman called Julia. It's kind of not Julia, but it's like Julia. Okay. Uh, this amazing actress who I'm now completely obsessed with called Renata Rainsvay. And it's directed by Joaquin Trier. And this film essentially follows this, this girl from her 20s into the time she turns 30. And it has this very like chaptered, chapter one, this, chapter two, that thing that follows her. And she's this kind of person who never really sees anything through. She starts off studying medicine and then switches to psychology and then switches to photography. Okay. Tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, <laughs> that's an in-joke about my life. Um, but essentially, you know what? I actually don't want to tell you too much yeah, about I, the plot because there's there's so many wonderful elements of this which reveal itself to you. And I, I can more just tell you about like what it's what it's about. I said it is such a coming of age tale for people turning 30. If, you, if you're like in your mid to late 20s and you're having a little bit of a crisis about life and the kind of decisions you're making, this is going to leave 
you so confused. But I, I really, really thought it was so brilliant. The writing is some of the most like honest and and like delicate and heartfelt I've ever seen. I really, really believed in these characters. Like, yes, it is beautifully shot and yes like that the way in which it portrays its characters so beautiful but it also has these i want to say almost 500 days uh 500 set was it 500 days of summer mm. is that the film yeah yeah it's so, like you know how that had little sequences right where like you know how he did the expectation reality yes. and that not quite as turned up to that but it has these sequences where it uses that perspective to tell its story okay so it's quite formally inventive within it so you yes. know within it, that. it allows itself to indulge in artistic flair without it being too just distracting um and this is the kind of person who describes herself as someone who always self-narrativizes her own life and mm. she's always like thinking oh that's what you would do if you were doing this and there is this very very slight voiceover from herself in the future talking about the things she's doing now um so it'd be like she'll have said something like oh, I never really wanted to do that thing to you. And the voice will be like, yeah, well, she always said those kinds of things that she never wanted to do that. And it's like, you know how in our own yeah, heads, we're yeah. all like all sort of Truman Show-esque, thinking that we're the center of the universe and we self-narrativize our yeah, own life. Yeah. Um, and like, I don't want to go into plot, to plot details, yeah, but what don't. it is essentially about is like, is the relationship you're in the right one for you? Like, is that person the one that got away, where you were meant to be? And it's the whole idea of like who you're actually meant to be with, the most like toxic and overwhelming thing to actually mm. try and think about in life. And then she's, you know, in her mid to late 20s when the film really starts to pick up and there's this whole idea of like, should she be wanting to have children? And if your partner doesn't, is that like the biggest thing ever? Um, and I just think like, like, there, there, there's so, so many moments of that where that actress, who I think is absolutely incredible, and she's definitely going to go on to be a huge star, is able to portray so many amazing and complex, uh, complex emotions in such a varied film. And I'm like, you've, you've accomplished yeah. so much by making me really like feel and then know exactly who you are. Yeah. And me and Tyler just both left it. We stood up, walked out, and we're like, I loved it. Absolutely, did you love it? Yeah, absolutely ah. loved it. Oh and and it got me. It got me straight away. I was I was immediately connected with that character. And like I I don't I don't want to say more plot because the plot I think is really like there yeah, to please be don't. there to be discovered. Um, well, yeah, a couple of things uh, just to react to that. First yeah. of all, okay, I absolutely want to see it. Yeah, I absolutely want to see it, and I want to give you my reaction. So like. Put a pin in that, and I'll, I'll get back and to I, it. And like, I'd love to discuss like the, the intrinsic like sequences and the yes. plot elements that evolve because I don't I don't want to spoil okay. it for you. And so, you'll be glad that I haven't. And it's a Norwegian film. Norwegian film yeah. set in Oslo. Sorry, I should have mentioned it. it's Norwegian language set, as well. Set like modern day, modern day Oslo. Right. Yeah. Well, what I was thinking of when you when you're describing it, it sounds to me like on the, on the one hand, it's got when you talk about um, someone in their sort of twenties and maturing to thirties and reaching a sort of crisis point, reminds me a bit of like. Um, uh, Noah Baumbach territory. Do you ever see Francis Ha or no. Mistress America? So, no, I need to go uh, with Greta Gerwig's in both of those. But like, I mean, I've seen Fr um, Mistress America most recently, mm -hmm. uh, and in that she plays a character that speaks and performs as one would expect her to, mm. as she clearly thinks she should, but is actually completely uh, having a crisis on the inside. You know, um, it's the kind of person, and, she, and the whole film is told from uh, the perspective of a uh, someone who's just started college. So she looks up to Greta Gerwig's character as like having all the answers, but actually Greta Gerwig's character is falling apart. And she'll say things like, um, uh, it's all about music now. Did you know that the album is the new novel? And the little things she's picked out of yeah. articles. Um, and also when you're talking about like uh, that sort of coming of age, what you're making it sound like is a coming of age story that is told 
uh, that manages to connect in a very universal way without be without reminding you of very um, coming of age tropes that seems yeah. to be very refreshing. And I feel like that was a film that I got through Lady Bird. You know, yes, that, yeah. And it's in the same way that that was very unique and specific, yeah. but also managed felt to felt grounded and real in the way. Yeah, I managed to follow and, and, and hit a lot of emotional beats uh, along the way. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah uh, like really fair. Sound, that sounds bang on. And like the, the way that you, that this film portrays conversations in a couple, huh. the things that couples do. Obviously mm. like every couple's different, but you mm. recognize so many like universal ways in which like you resolve conflict or the way in which physical, physical intimacy works. Like the sex is really like accurate and feels like true to life mm. of like kinds of sex you would have in certain scenarios. Mm. And like there's, there's this one, there's this one moment which is which isn't revealing what this is, and that there was just one chapter of this film which was so beautifully and intricately woven together is this moment where she leaves her boyfriend's party and she's walking through the streets of Oslo and she looks in on all these other young people like uh. on the balconies having parties and she sees this sort of it's, I think it's a wedding and she's like looking into she's walking past all of these windows seeing all these other people having fun and it's such a simple way to make this person look like she's really isolated mm. from normal friendships mm. and normal conversation and she goes into this party that she wasn't invited to and just walks in uh. and there is a chapter which is just I thought after that chapter I thought oh my god that was so beautifully yeah. and truthfully told and the way in which each shot folded into the next yeah. in that whole sequence, which was maybe about five, six minutes long, was so well done. You sort of, I was sort of like sat back and smiled. I was like, I'm really into this movie. Okay, don't say anymore. I don't want to say I will go anymore. watch it. But what I'm also smiling about yeah. is because talking about this, about how well it depicts uh, relationships and an interaction and attraction. Mm. And we were talking about other romantic films and we were talking... And they were lacking almost. Well, yeah, lacking and like you know, I choice. and and you just re- you do realize it. I'm gonna say this now. We're building up to watching those before films because I yeah. I mention them every week in different contexts. And you and yeah. just talk, hearing you talk about it again, I was thinking, well, James hasn't seen the before trilogy, so it's coming up. There's going to be a week where you and I are going to have to do those. Okay? Yeah, yeah, I'd love to. I'd absolutely love to. We should find a non-release week. But there'll be loads of those. But you know what I mean, like a yeah. non-big big film release week. But stay I'm tuned it. for those who have seen. Um, it. I I wonder if by the time this comes out, it might not be out in cinemas as much. But I'm sure you'll be able to watch it in the coming weeks. Don't miss worst person in the world it's it's really really good i, I me and tally were like i want to rewatch it i want to watch it in like a couple of months and like wow. re-digest it with the knowledge that you have oh what am i Can't doing wait. sat here recording yeah. with you i need to i just want to go pretty, yeah i'm pretty sure that is the best one i've seen of the year so far off the top of my head all right george we're gonna finish up with a little cheeky game we've played this one before this is imdb keyword countdown right we very good last time so hopefully these are a little bit harder and if you haven't heard this game before, I borrowed it from this amazing uh, guy who invented yep. it called Gav Murphy from, he now does RKG, but he used to do Prepare to Try. So full credit goes to him for this game, but it's really, really good. I'm a huge fan of his. Um, okay, George. So this is round two then. You this get, is round two. I, I did okay last time. You did really good. If okay. you don't know how this game game goes, on IMDB, you can scroll all the way to the bottom of the website and they have this list of some, something like 400 keywords and all of them are really weird. And what you do with this game is I've chosen 10 keywords, what, what 10, 10 yeah. for each film, and you have to try and guess what film I'm talking about based on the keywords that I read out roughly every three seconds. Okay. If you get it on the first keyword, you get 10 points. Right. Second keyword, nine points. Yeah. Third keyword, eight points, and so on. So basically, the more clues you're given, the less points you score. Yes. And these keywords are on IMDb. Are they randomly generated? Are people who put them in? They're like, they're like search I think tags, they're aren't they? They're like search tags that okay. a film would use. So like if it was Toy Story, it would be like... Um, 
alive when away. Okay, uh, like spaceman, cowboy. Yeah. Um, plot to destroy stuff. And all these really weird things that I've okay. actually done a very good job. But okay, we're going to go with the first one. Okay, guess the film. Ready? Three, two, one. Nazi occupation. Uh, Inglorious Bastards. Puppet show. Uh, Surrogate mother. Uh, uh, Teenage girl. Uh, why, um, World War Two. Yeah, I got that. Thanks. Um, uh, puppet show. Single father. Sing- single father. What? what I, I'm Based lost. on stage musical. The producers. <laughs> Good night, Mr. Tom. No, I'm just singing family. Oh, the oh, sound of music. <laughs> the last one. There you go. The puppet uh, show through me. The puppet show through me. I know, that, I know it's yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. You got it. That's one. There's a really funny line in The Sound of Music. Uh, I don't know why, but it absolutely like, made me laugh out loud when I heard it, which is um, there's a bit where I think she's been sent away for a bit and it's like, you know, really sad. And like all the children are like really miserable and hungry because normally like she would feed them at this yeah. time. And the littlest kid who's called, I don't know, like, you know, Whatever Greta. he's, he's the, no no he's he's like young and blonde haired he's probably like four Hans and they're talking about how much they're how hungry they are and he just goes I wonder what grass tastes like <laughs> yeah I remember that line <laughs> all right uh, I completely messed up on that one I didn't get very good give me another one ready guess the film in three two one first person narration it could be anything painting uh uh um, prison escape uh. Uh, 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 Shawshank Redemption. Mentor-protege relationship. Is it Escape Plan with um, uh, <laughs> De Niro and Sylvester Stallone? Do you remember that? Murder. Uh, come on. <laughs> come on. Art theft. Fictional country. Come on. Are you trying to tease me? You're winding me up. Nosebleed. Uh, Stranger Things. Come on. I'd, come on. Lobby Boy. I you, hotel Ocean's Eleven Grand Budapest Hotel. Oh, <laughs> I've gone too hard on him. Nice. I've gone too hard on really him. Really hard. That was it. That was all of them. So you didn't get that one. Did, you, did anyone get that? So I, just to I, go I, through again, on. it was first person narration, painting, prison escape, mental protege relationship, murder, art theft, fictional country, nosebleed, lobby boy, hotel. That's a that's a bagel for George. I'm gonna, <laughs> now round three. I'm going to get <laughs> round you. Three. Number three, ready? Guess the film in three, two, one. Murder suspect. Disappearance. Could be any film. Psychopath. Uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs. Neo-noir. Uh, Sin City. Um, uh, Emotional manipulation. Come on! <laughs> Can we anything? Batman? Infidelity. The Dark Knight. Infidelity. You're just naming things. Missing Wife. Uh, is it a, is it a Nolan film? Uh, <laughs> Memento. <laughs> Diary. Based on novel. I'm enjoying this so much. I'm not even bothering. Framed for murder. The answer is Gone Girl. <sighs> Those are so broad. They're so broad and generic. Infidelity, missing wife. Could be anything. Do you know how many films are made about missing women? <laughs> Too many. Too many. Oh. Right. This you, is. This please is, give me one. I could. Uh, I could 
Look, the problem is, George, last time Things I gave them get. to you, you were so good. You got a couple on the first go. So I had to, I've had to humble you a little bit. But I still think I'm being fair. It's not fun. Okay. Oh, that's an interesting siren. Yeah, that's like a secret. That's a secret. Uh, oh, good secret, because I can hear it. It's like one of those, like, you know, those sirens that, like, you just sort of seeing a civilian car and then it just starts oh, lighting yeah. up. Oh, you've been watching the whole time. Okay. Film number four. Ready? Imposter. Uh, the Imposter. FBI. Um, uh, uh, catch Me If You Can. Yes! Oh! oh. Recovery. Oh. Eight point. No, nine points. It's FBI, you got it. Nine points. He oh. recovers. Ooh, you like it. The way in which you're like... <laughs> I feel like so, uh, uh, I've gone to the casino to gamble. Yeah, and I've, lo- I've already at a massive loss. You're like, if I just keep doubling on my roulette, eventually, yeah. So that was correct. Catch me if you can. Uh, so that was Imposter. You got it on FBI. Next was Forgery, Race Against Time, Hostess, Doctor, Inspired by True Events, Fraud, Chasing, Con Artist. Oh, okay. Okay. I don't know if you're going to be annoyed at me for this one for similar. I don't know. Next one. Ready? Guess the film. Police. Departed. Vigilante justice. Uh, kick ass. Uh, the, the Dark Knight. Investigation. <laughs> you bastard. Watchmen. Torture. Uh, uh, Revenge. These are just so broad. <laughs> They're just, they're just so broad. Neo noir. Ne- again. <laughs> Sex offender. Prisoners. Yes. Ooh. Oh. Oh, did you say my first? Don't know about you, James. Straight right in. I know my sex offenders. <laughs> <laughs> sex offenders. You were like, I know them. No, but oh, could that, all of those are really broad. But then when you, it's also. I thought bad because I've used neo noir three times. Yeah, because <laughs> yeah, the torture. He, Hugh Jackman, like really beats up. It's an evil nerve film. Uh, yeah, so it was a. Uh, the rest of the, you could have artist sex offender was whistle, which would have probably given it away. Religious confession, child abduction. You remember the whistle scene? Yeah, yeah, the very yeah, end. Yeah. Very oh god. Okay. You really put me through it. You're, do, you're doing right. So uh, that was so ten, nine, eight, seven, six, five. You have five points for that one. Next film. You ready? Did you get it at home? Okay. Okay. You're gonna guess the film in three, two, one. Widower. Gang. Uh, death Wish. Uh, Teenager. Oh, God. Kick-ass. War Veteran. Uh, uh, Gran Torino. Yes. Yeah. Gran Torino. So you got the Seven. I don't think I've ever seen. I've owned, I think I tried to watch the beginning, first 15 minutes once, and I found it really like wooden and didn't like it. I know people are like, oh, you got to watch the film all the way through. I know some people hate it. Mm. Some people really like it. All I can say is that Clint Eastwood then made the film Sully in 2016, which yes. is set in early 2009. Later, oh, right. Okay. And people don't realize, but he gives himself a little cameo because there's a Gran Torino poster in oh, Times Square when Sully goes jogging at oh, one point. <laughs> anyway, a step. Um, I remember going to... You've seen it? Yeah, yeah, I've seen Gran Torino. I remember there was a phase where I would like every so often go to HMV and like buy a DVD. Oh, those were the days. And I bought Gran Torino and having not seen it and just went home and watched it. And, and I didn't watch it again, which is probably something you shouldn't have mm. bought on DVD. You should buy the films you want to watch yeah. several times. Just draining the world's resources. Yeah, uh, it's not terrible. It's a, it's, a, it's a fine watch. It's a real Clint Eastwood like, <sighs> I'm an odd. <sighs> Listen to me, punk. You know, he like grabs this like street gang. It's quite nice when the old man like slaps the street gang kid and like humbles him, you know? 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. I ran. Random. That is. I want random. to go random. That's, that's that, why, yeah. I get it, but I've heard of it. Cool. Yes, I'm you've getting... heard of it, but it's random. Okay. Uh, for the rest four Grand Torino, so it was widower, gang, teenager, war veteran, Korean war veteran, racism, old man, neighbor, directed by star, Ford. So I, I think he would have probably, probably got that. Yeah. But I, I am also an idiot, so just bear that in mind. That's right, you're doing really well. It's like really good recovery. Okay, last one we have to guess. Ready? Three, two, one. Obesity. Uh, oh, Sasta Powers. Recycling. <laughs> uh, the Terminal. Kiss. Uh, shallow Hal. Post-apocalypse. Obesity in the post-apocalypse. <laughs> what? What? Uh, Dune. Starship uh, Captain. Wally. Wally. Oh, what? Obesity in the post-apocalypse? Yeah, George. That Obesity is a massive the... misdirection. Wally what? is... It's not... <laughs> hey, it's... it's <laughs> it is post... What do you mean? Of course it's post-apocalypse. No, the, the apocalypse is like... It's, it's more like... Uh, they've moved on. They just Earth... It's post-apocalypse. What was the apocalypse? It, it wasn't, they, they ran out of uh, yeah, plants. Over time. It wasn't like suddenly. The apocalypse was so, gradual. You can't well, have wait, a gradual apocalypse. Thing. Is... Well, okay, so is is when you're acting like in the apocalypse, is that the apocalypse or is post-apocalypse like way after it? When do you count the beginning of the apocalypse and are you post it if it's already gone? Po yeah, post-apocalypse is when the apocalypse has happened and you're living in the world that, that apocalypse has created. That's if not the, the apocalypse. the sky is still falling, <laughs> that's the apocalypse. If you're walking around in a world full of zombies... So you didn't get it because it wasn't post-post-apocalypse? Oh, you know... <laughs> Yeah. The rest of the ones you could get for Wally was Starship Captain, which I said. Did I say that? Yeah. Yes. CGI animation, which I think would have led you towards it. Pollution, adrift in space, robot, collecting trash. I'm going to give you some. Yeah. I'm going to give you some. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Spin you're, this round. Just I'll, go, I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> okay. Go to. Okay, fine. Fine. Right, where's, where's the. Just go to. How do some, I use this? <laughs> how do I. What's this? Uh, I'm going to give you one, All right. just because I wanted to have a go. <laughs> okay. What did you tease me, okay? All right, I expect this to be hard, but we'll, we'll do our best. Guess the film in, the, in the, the key words, okay? Okay. Guess the film. Three, two, one. Orchestral music score. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Star Wars. Uh, Asphyxiation. Computer. Uh, 2001 Space Odyssey. Yes. Well done. Well done, to be fair. So the orchestral music score is obvious. The asphyxiation is asphyxiation in space. Yeah. And then the computer, how? Okay, the yeah. next one's going to be surrealism. What was the first one again, sorry? Orchestral, orchestral score, music, yeah. yeah. Uh, famous line. Uh, monolith. Yeah, yeah if you, yeah, you would have yeah. got that. And then there's things like future shock, message from outer space, yeah. supercomputer. Yeah. That's just a taste. Next time, Ooh. round three. My heart was beating. My heart was beating. To be fair, I've done that to George twice now, so... We will do this again. Thank you again to Gav Murphy of RKG for the game. It's Thank really you, good. Gav. Go check out RKG. It does really funny stuff on there. And um, one more thing. Yes. We have episodes every Wednesday. Is yes. We do have, let's do the outro. We've got web, web, web episodes? Web We've episodes. got episodes every Wednesday.
Wednesday. New, new episodes, our numbered ones at least. Numbered ones. But we actually have loads of other content coming on the channel throughout the week. Mm -hmm. you know, we clips, do reviews. Little this week, George ranked all his favorite seasons of the US office and discussed why yeah. one was better than the other and what ones you should avoid. If that's something, if that's after, you, if like, that's something you like, go, go look for at that. It. We post clips of this on TikTok and Instagram. Follow us on there. Um, if you're listening to this, please leave us a review on Spotify. Go to that little rating thing and click five stars. And if you don't think it's five stars, then don't do it. Yeah. Uh, or if you're listening on Apple, do the same. Leave us a review. Yeah. If you're watching on YouTube, please give us a like. If you enjoyed this, please subscribe. Put the notification bell on. Uh, um, we post all that content on YouTube as well. You're better than this than I am. I'd forgotten all of this. Just try, I, it's, it's because I upload it. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, please just build the See numbers. You next week. See you next week.